Well, good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning. Yeah, that's better. I just get excited when I'm about to preach the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19, where we'll be this morning. If you walked in and you got one of these great little um, highlight sheets or worship guides, it uh, has some lines, and we're talking about authenticity this morning. Um, we're, we're talking about the core values of Coastal Community Church, the idea of how do we do, how do we interact. See, what happens in a lot of organizations is they create, um, they create policies and procedures. We don't want to create policies and procedures. We want to create, we want to live according to the scripture. This is the only policy and procedure we need, right? I mean, the idea is, is what we're trying to accomplish is based upon the way we look at the scripture, how are we supposed to live out this life? And so we talked about these core values called voila. Last week, I mean, last week we talked about watchfulness. This week is authenticity. Next week will be authenticity, but authenticity, love, and accountability. It's real easy for you to remember them. We wanted something that was memorable and easy for us to memorize of how are we to live our Christian life amongst each other and out into this world. And it's voila, watchfulness, authenticity, love, and accountability. I know that's not how you spell voila, but that's the way I remember it, okay? All right, I'm a C-spot run kind of guy. Pastor Joey, way more intellect. Pastor Andrew, C-spot run. Okay, um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19 is what we're going to be looking at. I'm excited because God has something to say to us from his word this morning, and I hope we have ears to hear what he wants to say to us. I know that he wants to communicate to his children through his word, and we have to be hearers of the word. So let's be some hearers and some doers as we depart from here a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Here we go. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Let's pray. And precious Father, we confess that we had a week. Some of us had a good week. Some of us had a bad week. But precious Father, we confess that we need you and our dependency upon you. We confess that we need your Holy Spirit to help us to rightly divide this word of truth. 
We confess that your word is sharp and powerful than any two-edged sword, and it divides between the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And we ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would take this word and you would use it to divide us. The things of this world, the things that we love, into a more fully devoted follower of your Son, Jesus Christ. And precious Father, thank you for the privilege that it is to open your word and to teach your word. Father, I don't deserve this privilege. Your word is so wonderful. It is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen. What's great is here at Deer Park, we only have one service, so guess what? We're not bound by time, except we want to beat the Presbyterians to the buffet. So I know we have, because we're good Baptists, right? Um, I know we have to kind of get to there, so the important thing is I want to unpack this and I want to do it in in an ample amount of time, but at the same time I want to do this passage justice because there's so much that I believe that God wants to say to us this morning. But I want to start with this. Does anyone know Coastal Community Church's, Church's mission statement? We are called to what? Develop? authentic followers of Christ. This is our mission statement. This is our goal. The word authentic exists in it. And I want to give for you a definition of authentic. Authentic or authenticity means genuine, accurate, and reliable. Made or done in such a way that resembles the original. So if I say authentic Italian food, you know it brings me back to the homeland. Or if it's an authentic Irish food, bringing me back to the motherland of Ireland. You know, when I say something is authentic in regards to food, what you're experiencing is something that tastes like the original. We are called to be authentic. Now think about this in our Christian life, in authentic Christianity. It means that we are to resemble the original. Who's the original? Jesus Christ. So when we're called to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ, we're to resemble the original, Christ. Is that not what Christianity means? Isn't that what Christian means? Little Christ that we resemble the original Jesus Christ. So when we talk about authentic Christianity, when we're talking about authenticity, we have to recognize that we are made in such a way that we resemble the original Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish that was true all the time in my life, but I know sadly it's not. And so as we talk about that, so if you have your notes, look at the very top. The way that Coastal's defining authenticity is living a holy life in honesty and transparency with others so the gospel will be clearly seen. The gospel of Jesus Christ will be clearly seen in my life 
so that I'm not hiding anything that I'm not, that I really am who I am. Which means, if you really knew me, you probably wouldn't like me. Because I'm a sinful person. And, and a lot of times what happens on Sunday morning, and i got to tell you, when I grew up in the church, on Sunday morning it was kind of the fakest time, and I never looked forward to it because I would always ask people how they were doing, and everything was like, well, God bless your brother, we're doing great. Everything's great. It's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. And, and, I, and I didn't feel like I could ever be honest. How are you doing? Horrible. I didn't want to be honest. Because I didn't think that was a place for authenticity. Isn't that sad that the church isn't a place for authenticity sometimes? And so I would play games as a, as, as a teenager. People would come up to me and go, how are you doing, brother? And I would say, I'm doing awful. God bless you. He'd go, well, that's great. And then they'd keep going. Because they wouldn't really hear what I was saying. They just heard the brother part. No, the reality is that God has called us to be authentic, resembling Christ. You know, Christ wept. You know, Christ was sad. You know, Christ hurt. You know, Christ was rejected. You know that Christ's own family came to admit him. They thought he was crazy and they were calling him out. Mary and his brothers and sisters. Think about Christ. Everything wasn't peachy king. God bless your brother. Like macho man Randy Savage. God bless your brother. You know, it wasn't like that. For all you under 30, you probably had no idea what that was. And over probably 60, you probably had no idea who that was. But for us that were into wrestling, professional wrestling with junkyard dog and stuff, right here, baby. Or Hulk Hogan, I don't know. Maybe that's better. It's that, it's that idea of... It's that idea that God wants us to be authentic. We as Christians have got to be genuine and resemble the original man, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. If you have your Bibles, just turn over there a couple, a couple pages. It's not far. If you have a hard time navigating through Pauline epistles, just remember from Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat popcorn. It's real easy. That Just the little first word. That's how I remember it anyway or General Electric Power Company, however you learned it as a kid. You're going to remember it now for the rest of your life now. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love toward all the saints, I do not cease. Um, um, you know what, I'm in Ephesians, so I should probably take my own advice. I'm like, wow, that's not at all what's in my notes here we go. We'll try this again. Colossians 1, we're talking about the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
It's important for us to understand that we, as authentic followers of Christ, ought to resemble Christ, the firstborn of all creation. Why it's called Christianity. And when we sin, and when we fail, and when we stumble, it's not about us trying to do better. It's about us confessing and recognizing in that moment that we weren't like Christ. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess those things to Christ. And then Christ then continues to conform us into the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. This is really important for us to understand. That's why it's called Christianity, not I-inanity. See, Christianity means Christ in me. I'm in Christ. I'm not in me. You ask most Christians, so now that you have Christ, now that you believe the gospel, how in the world do you live this thing out? And I, this is what I tell them. I, I don't. I'm awful. I don't do very well. It's Christ in me that does it. And so I run as fast as I can towards Jesus Christ. I look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. My entire goal is focused on Christ and knowing Christ and loving Christ. It's not focused on me not sinning. If you have a sin struggle, if you have an addiction here this morning, if you're struggling with something and you're focused on not sinning, then what are you thinking about? You're thinking about yourself and you're thinking about sin. You're not thinking about Christ. The idea is that we should focus our attention on Christ. If I don't want to gossip and I'm thinking, don't gossip, don't gossip, don't gossip, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about gossip. You know, it's that idea of that, that it, when, I, when I'm dealing with people that are maybe are struggling with the, with the sexual pornography addiction, they're thinking, don't look at porn, don't look at porn, don't look at porn. No, 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 don't, it's not that. You're thinking about yourself and you're thinking about porn. No, think about Christ. When I fix my attention upon Christ, then the things of this world grow strangely dim. When I fix, fix, it's not about me doing better, it's about me so focused on Christ that I'm, I'm resembling, I start to resemble the authenticity of Christ in me. That's what the Apostle Peter is talking about here. Because this morning what I want you to do is I want you to peel back the exteriors of your life and look, look inside to your soul. And I know this is going to be very uncomfortable for some of you. As I was preparing this message, it was very uncomfortable for me. For me to peel back the exteriors of my life and to look inside my soul and ask this question, who am I? Not who do I want people to see who do I think I am, but who am I? The Apostle Paul said, the only thing good in me is Christ. And I affirm that. Because when I look inside my soul, I see corruption and sin and struggle. But I recognize that Christ is overcome, and he overcame on the cross. And that's what the Apostle Peter's talking about here in 1 Peter. So let's break it down. You're taking notes, write these four things down, pull out your, your pen, your lipstick, mascara, whatever you want to write with, and write these down, because I, 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 my prayer is that from this passage of Scripture, you will walk out of here free, not in bondage to do the right thing, but, but in bondage to recognize that you are free in Christ, 
to be. First thing is this, the Apostle Paul's talking about it. He says, four truths about being an authentic follower of Christ. Here they are. Number one is this, therefore prepare your minds for action. Therefore, every time you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for? And that's the few sentences above. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that they have been announced to do through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. So the idea is he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, now you have the gospel in you, therefore... Prepare your minds for action. He's saying, now that you have the gospel. So he's talking to Christians, and he's saying, now that you're a Christian, now that you've repented of your sin, if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ, you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Invite Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to save you. And he will save you. And he will draw you to himself, and your life will be changed. The Apostle Peter saying, now that you are, therefore, now that you're saved, prepare your minds for action. That's a little odd. The Apostle Peter is saying this for number one. The four, first truth is we have to prepare your mind prior to action. Prepare your minds prior to action. If I am about to go into war it would probably make sense for me to make sure I have all the equipment. But Jesus said when he was talking, what king goes into war and doesn't prepare or check the war chest to make sure he has enough. If I'm about to build a house to make sure I have all the materials, I have the money to, 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 to build it. I have to, be, I have to be prepared prior to taking action. And that's what the Apostle Peter is saying. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Which means there's, it's not a question of when, if. It's a question of when action takes place. Prepare your minds prior to action. And how do we do this? Well, the Apostle Peter answers it. He says, to be sober-minded. Set, set hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. It will be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the idea of you're setting your hope on the grace Christ will bring when he returns. How do I prepare my mind for action that I'm so focused on Christ and the fact that Jesus is going to return that it's going to affect the way that I live now? If I said that Jesus was going to return today at 6 o'clock, what would you do different? And that's what the Apostle Peter's saying in regards to living this Christian life. He's saying we're setting our minds, what did he say? Prepare your minds for action, prior to action. Being sober-minded, which means don't get drunk, which is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sober-minded, think about it, the opposite of sober-minded is a drunken mind. Drunken mind on not just alcohol, but things of this world. The cloud, the work of Christ in our life. 
Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the revelation of Jesus Christ? It's the fact when Jesus Christ returns. So it's the focus upon Christ. And not just Christ in this immediate state of, yeah, I'm saved, but it's in the fact that Christ is going to return and that should affect the way that I live now. You know, the early church thought that Jesus was going to return at any moment. And so every day they lived in that moment thinking that today could be the day. And we've lost that in our church. We've lost that in our church in America. Why? Because we have comfort and ease. Let me share something with you. When we were over in um, Thailand... And we were on the border there, and there's all of these families living in these garbage dumps, and there's some few people that are going to church. What was so unique was this. They were looking for the return of Christ every day because things were miserable. Today could be the day. But until then, we're going to live for Christ and focus our attention and affections upon Christ and set our minds on Christ. As obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What are your passions focused in on? It's one of the questions I ask when I'm interviewing people for a job. I say, what are you passionate about? And everybody has some answer or something, but what they're really passionate about. But I never hear anybody say, you know, I'm really passionate about my former ignorance. I'd be like, man, I'm hiring you. No, why? Because we've grown. We've grown. Our passions aren't on the past or the sin that we think defines us or the sin that used to define us. Our focus is upon Christ and who he is. That's who defines us now. Remember, it's Christianity, not I and anity. It means Christ at the center. My passion is for Christ. When people make accusations against me, I used to want to defend myself all the time. And I remember there was somebody that came to me and, and started to share these things, horrible things about me that he had heard, that some, you know, and he'd kind of put together and he put this, this, this incredible list of, of, of venom against me. Oh, and I was devastated as they just read off this list. And my first reaction is defense, defense, defense. And as I was reading this passage, I think that it was just this idea of, I don't need to defend myself. Christ didn't defend himself. I just look and go, yep, everything you say about me is true. Probably true. I probably have thought it or done it or said it at some point in my life. So everything is true. Only Christ makes up the difference in me. Thank God. Thank God. He's who defines me now. And you know what? I try to forget those things which are behind. I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
And so when, you say th- when people say all men are against you, Jesus didn't open his mouth to defend himself. Well, you know what he did? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's Christianity. It's not getting tied up in some political stance or some political party. Jesus Christ is not a donkey or an elephant. He's a lamb. And therefore, we should proclaim Christ. That's my political party. That's my political stance. It's Christ. And what Christ holds and what Christ means and who Christ is. So therefore, it doesn't matter what political party you are. My prayer is that you'd be part of Christ's political party. That's what this country needs to hear. That's what's unifying. We're living in a world of division and it's only getting worse. I just jumped off and preached a little, and I'm going to move back onto the text. Sorry. Got a little excited. Second, first is prepare your mind prior to action. Number two, embody holiness, then action. Embody holiness, then action. This is the good stuff. Because what did he say? But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all you do. If you have your, 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 your pen or your pencil or whatever, underline, be holy, underline, be holy. And then it says, as it is written, you shall be holy, underline, be holy again, for I am holy, underline, be holy. It says it twice, underline it twice. This is really important that you understand this because the, the apostle Peter is saying, be holy. Don't do holy. Be holy. Being holy means that Christ is my holiness. Doing holy is trying to keep the law to demonstrate to everybody on the outside that I am holy. Being holy is Christ in me. He's what you see. Don't do holy, be holy. That's what the Bible says. That's why it's good. Because this should free us. The gospel you are is the holiness we should live. Christ in me. That's the holiness that we should live. If I'm not living any other holiness... And I'm trying to do it based upon good works. It's to my shame. Because what I'm doing is I'm block, I'm putting myself between you seeing Christ. I'm getting in the way. My wife and I, when we hug, I get in the kitchen, I come home from work, and I hug my wife. She's the first one that I hug when I come home. And my little five-year-old son, he runs up to me and he slides himself in between mommy and daddy. It's really, really cute. When my 15-year-old does it, it's a little awkward, but just kidding, he doesn't. He's here, so. 
But it's that idea that he's, he wants to get in the way. When I, when I try to exemplify my holiness based upon what I'm doing, then what I'm doing is I'm getting in the way of you seeing Christ in me. That's what the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter here is teaching. To be in Christ, all of Jesus is who we are and where my worth is. The focus of my holiness is Christ. It's not me. It's Christ in me. Number three. So number one is prepare your mind prior to action. Number two, embody holiness, then action. Number three, call on God all the time, every time. Number three, call on God all the time, every time. What's the Apostle Paul, Peter saying? <laughs> and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Now the Apostle Peter is talking. If you go back, 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bethina, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, my grace and peace be multiplied to you. He's talking about the elect exiles. So this is written to Christians, and he's talking about that they've, these Christians were evacuated from their home, and they were living in exile. He doesn't differentiate between Jew or Gentile here because they're just talking about Christians. Okay? And so all these Christians were experiencing persecution, and the apostle Peter is writing them and talking to them. And he says, while you're in exile... The word exile is great because it also refers, if you start thinking about it, back to Exodus when the children of Israel were in exile in Egypt. How God delivered them. The apostle Peter is using that language and he says, If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. He knew what was going on. He was writing to them what was going on. Knowing that you were ransomed, how were they ransomed? They were ransomed by Christ from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver. Now he's referring back to the idea of the time in Exodus when God ransomed them, and it wasn't with gold or silver, and then now he's talking about it in times of Christ, that Christ has ransomed us, not with gold or silver. He didn't pay money for us to free us. He ransomed us, if you look, with his own shed blood. The blood of Jesus ransomed us. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb... Without blemish or spot. So what he's saying is, you call on him. Look at verse 17. And if you call on him, call on him as father. How do we call on him? We call him father, daddy. You talk to him about your lack of good works because of our lack of knowing Christ. 
My good works are a direct reflection of my ignorance of who Christ is. And the more I get to know Christ, the more I realize that I want to be like him and need to be like him. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.10. He says that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering being made conformable even unto death. I lack a lot of knowledge. My wife was on Instagram for a season. She still is on Instagram. I can't be on Instagram because... I'm tired of seeing 20-year-olds give me parenting advice. I, I'm, I have two families. It's one, one wife, but two families. I have three older kids, and there's an eight-year gap, and then I have two younger kids. And so we, we're trying to develop friends in both worlds, friends that have teenagers and then friends that have little kids. And, and so we'll meet people, and my wife will follow them on Instagram because that's the way to connect. And so we're connecting with them, and they're giving all this parenting advice. And I look at it, and I go, wow, we used to parent like that. And then I think, wow, I really screwed up my older three. They're going to need counseling. I'm sorry. I'll pay for it. I'm really sorry. Really sorry. But the first time I was raising my young kids, I remember thinking I, I, I wanted them so desperately to do perfect. I wanted them to do perfect. I want you to do perfect. Act this way. Talk this way. Live this way. Because that's going to reveal godliness in your life. And with my younger two now, I realize I just want them to know perfect. I want them to know Christ. That's it. I don't want them to pray. Like, and so I, I, I'm okay with the honesty. I'm okay with the, the, the mess-ups. I'm okay with that stuff. I'm okay with the questions. Because I want them to know Christ. It's what I want for my older kids as well. Know Jesus Christ and love Him. Here's the four truths about being an authentic follower of Christ. Prepare your mind prior to action. Embody holiness in action. Call on God all the time, every time. What I want my kids most to know is that I just want them to call on me so that they feel less alone when they mess up. I want to teach my kids that they can do that with God. When they mess up, they can go to God and he will be there. And you can call on him all the time, every time, no matter what. And that's what the Apostle Peter is talking about here in regards to holiness. And number four is this, remember the price of your ransom. How do we remember the price of our ransom? We look to the cross and the resurrection every day for our identity, our strength, our motivation and we allow the Holy Spirit of God to live through us. We have to remember the price of our ransom. That's what the Apostle Peter was talking about here. He says, but with the, how were we ransomed? Not with gold or silver, but we were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. It didn't cost us anything. It cost him everything. Remember what it cost him. Remember the price of your ransom. 
He ransomed us. We were in sin, in bondage, slaves to sin, dead spiritually. And Christ, through the shed blood, God, through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, shed His blood, paid for those sins so that we could be set free and be holy, not do holy. Authenticity means being holy. Allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ to live out my life through me every day. That my focus is not me on doing good works, but it's me focusing on Christ and running after Him. It's why I need community. It's why I need to be here on Sunday morning. It's why I need to sing these songs of praise and worship to the Lord. It's why I need you in my life. Because that's what makes me more authentic. Because you point out those things to me that are inauthentic, less like Christ. It's why I need to be in a small group. Because those people really know me. I was having a conversation with my wife, and I'm in the car, and I'm talking to her, and I shared some, you know, some preachy things that I, that I, that I do, and my wife looks and goes, it's just me, honey. You don't have to try to impress me with your preaching or anything. I know that's not real. When I get that little preachy voice going and I start getting excited, it's like, it's just me, honey. I've heard it all before. At that point, I'm like, exposed. Well, because I need people in my life like that. I need my wife. I need you. I need each other. We're to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take four minutes and do this. Here's the final thoughts. Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 4, verses 36, 5 through 10. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read it. What I want to give you, you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know the fact that Ananias and Sapphira... People were, there was a guy named Joseph. He sold some property. He gave it to the apostles. He, they, he gained influence in the church. Everyone was really impressed with that. Ananias and Sapphira said, we want that too. So they sold some property. They held some of it back because they wanted to keep some of it. But they said to the apostles that they gave all of it, and they didn't. And at two different times, they die. And fear comes over the, the, the church and Ananias, Sapphira, Ananias dies first, and then Peter's not sure if Sapphira knows all about it, and then Peter asks her, and she says yes, and she lies as well, and she hits the floor, and they go and bury him together. What a love story. Tragic. Ananias and Sapphira, their minds were not prepared. Point one, prepare your mind prior to action. They wanted to embody respect and the praises of men. Embody holiness, then action. They called on themselves for support. Call on the God all the time, every time. They wanted the appearance of paying the price without actually paying it. They forgot the price of their ransom.
See, it's, see, here's the deal. I'm Ananias and Sapphira. I'm just not drop dead. Not that I'm lying, but, I, but, but how many lies do you have to tell before you're a liar? Just one. If you've ever told a lie, guess what? You're a liar. Woohoo! But that doesn't define me. Because you know what defines me? Christ. Guess what? You know what the Bible says? That if I look at a woman lustfully, I'm an adulterer. So Jesus said, guess what? I'm an adulterer. But that doesn't define me. I've taken something. You know, that makes me a thief. That doesn't define me. Jesus said, if, if you've broken one law, you're guilty of breaking them all. You've broken every law. That's not what defines you. That's not what defines me. You know what defines me? Christ shed blood. Christ in me. That's what defines me. That's what defines you, Christian. Therefore, you can be authentic. Christ paid for those things on the cross, right? Every sin I've ever committed, past, present, and future, he paid for it. And so therefore, my struggles are not for me alone. My struggles are for, for us So that we can walk in authenticity and then the world looks and says, man, I can't believe that kind of person goes to that church. Isn't it great? Christ died for them and paid for that hypocrite. One more hypocrite's not going to matter. Come on. The focus is not me. The focus is Christ. Christ is the one who makes the difference. He's the one that should make the difference in your life. He's the one that made the difference in my life. That's what we proclaim. That's the gospel we should preach. That's the authenticity we should live. That's how we live this out, Coastal. Let's pray. Precious Father, I thank you. For your word, I thank you that it's truth. And I thank you for teaching us and changing us and transforming us. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord God, that makes a difference in my life. You paid for it on the cross through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord God, I walk not in my own strength, not in my own flesh. I walk, Father, with my eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray for every person here that is defining themselves by someone else, by something else, and I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would define themselves, Lord, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people who love and embrace the gospel. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all stand up.